0: Greetings, in the precious name of the Lord Jesus. I uh, have been blessed to be here. I have several things I want to say before I get into the message. Um. First off, I realize there's several ways I could have gone with the message today. We have an ordination plan, and I could have shared something relating to that. Uh, And if I would have, it would have been a message to you as a congregation in relating and receiving your servant. Um, I've opted not to do that. Hope that doesn't disappoint anyone. If it does, I can do that later. Uh, It's also the first Sunday of the year. A new year lies before us. And my heart turned that direction. Inspiration, encouragement for a new year. Before I go there, I was touched by the story that Jerry gave, and uh, particularly the statement that he made at the end there, I'm not sure if I can repeat it as he said it, but something to the effect that they needed him. That couple, that gentleman, needed him. Jury had what that couple, that gentleman, needed at that moment. Jury had it. And jury could meet that need. And my mind, I'm sorry, but my mind just went many places. You know, each of us are sitting here today. Some of you are Husbands. Some of you are a wife. Some of you are children in a home. Some of you have children. You all work in places. Some extent. Your lives touch others. Someone needs you. You have. What it takes to meet someone's need. Maybe even right here in this congregation. In fact, not maybe. You are gifted. You have abilities. You have graces. You are a person and you have what someone else needs. You can meet someone else's need. So often it's hard to know and realize those needs, to recognize them, and to engage in meeting those needs. I've had the opportunity to work with my brother Daniel, and brother Daniel had a man on his team who was not a believer, and this man had many needs. And I marveled many times at the patience that our brother showed this gentleman. The day came when he had a need. He had a need. His heart was troubled deeply. And he reached out to Dan and myself regarding that need. I wish I could say he became a Christian. I wish I could say he stepped across the line. As far as I know, he hasn't. One thing I know, he understands, he understands much more deeply where he can find the answer to his need. So, Jerry, thank you for sharing that. Touched my heart. What a fitting challenge at the beginning of a year. As we travel life, we're going to meet people that have needs. And we just might be that person who has the key, who has what it takes to meet that need. All right. Let's just, maybe if, we, if you're able, stand and we'll pray. <clears throat> Father. Thank you for being present with us. Thank you for caring for us. Thank you for each one present here today. And even those who would have had a desire to be here and are not able, bless all of us together. Bless this hour, Father, as I endeavor to lead us to fountains of living water. God bless this hour. Bless this assembly. Bless this congregation for your glory. Minister to the needs among us, Father. Pour out your spirit upon us. Help us to be such who are willing and ready and able to meet the needs of those that you have put into our lives. If it's just for a small moment that our lives intersect, or if it's day by day and week by week, help us, Father, to be those who are quick, ready, willing, and able to be used to meet the needs of others. Father, bless this hour this morning, the preaching of your word. May your spirit give utterance, and may your spirit give understanding. We commit the service to you. Thank you for each one that is here. May you be glorified. We thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. All right, I invite you to turn in your Bibles to Philippians chapter (coughs) 3. Philippians chapter 3. Our text begins in verse 7. <clears throat> to verse 15, and I think I'll read it before I make any further uh, comments. Philippians three, beginning in verse seven, "But what things were gained to me, those I count at loss for Christ. yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss, for the excellency and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us, therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. And if in anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. I think we'll stop reading there. My focus today is going to be quite a lot on verse 10. Um, But before we zero in on that, we'd like to look at the broader context a bit. Uh, Paul... Here, as he writes, he uh, he makes various kind of interesting comments in this uh, uh, scripture. Just just take verse 14, for example. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Uh, He uh, just the previous verse, he says, uh, I don't consider myself to have apprehended, but I'm reaching forth unto those things which are before. He's, he's reaching forward. He's aspiring. Um, so as we, as we look at this scripture, uh, I find myself actually in a little bit of an interesting uh, quandary because... I have uh, three titles. I had uh, already two titles, and this morning, as I was meditating, I got another title. And usually a title is what kind of leads the thought through. Uh, so, but I'm going to, we're going to, like I said, we're going to focus a lot on verse 10. And I'm going to uh, begin by illustrating... The last illustration that I got this morning, which gave me another title. And it is winter, so we'll use brown. Um, this is, we'll call this, this is the ground. And I'm not sure I should maybe get an artist up here. But uh, anyhow, what we have here, I guess we would, I think by now you kind of got an idea what it is. Does it look a little bit like a tree at least? So that's above the ground. If I was a real good artist, I'd draw a bird there maybe or something. But then uh, we also have, in a tree, we have the that which we don't see under the ground. And as I'm uh talking here, I'm thinking, boy, it'd be nice to have a shrub or something here and pull it out of the pot and show you the roots and... And then I remembered that I had a telescope at home, and I was going to bring that. So, for an illustration, so I guess I'm—I don't have illustrations this morning. <laughs> but anyhow, um, so that's a tree uh, today. Uh, as we look at Paul, his—and this is Paul's testimony, largely of—and uh, we see him. We see him here, um, aspiring, well, no, let me, let me, let me zero in on verse 10 for a bit. He, he, uh, he's talking, he says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings and being made conformable unto his death. Four different points in there, uh, that we will take some time to examine and, uh, what Paul is talking about in that verse is, uh, it's the aspiration of his heart, it's, uh, it's, I'm going to say it is a reality that is currently, uh, as he wrote this, it was, uh, I'm going to say it was a present reality with aspirations to much more of the same, uh, desiring more. And what we're talking about today is, is, uh, the, the root mass, uh, of what, you know, under every great tree, every huge tree, every big tree, every stately tree, there is a supportive root mass that has sustained that tree. All those years and all those storms and all those, uh, uh, difficulties that, that tree endured, if there would not have been a healthy root mass in the ground, uh, that tree would not have survived. And we all know there are some trees that don't survive. And it's because their root mass is not sufficient to, uh, endure the stress above. And for whatever reason. And so that's, uh, that's what we're, uh, that we're going to be thinking about today. The message today is going to be talking about our root mass. Our, uh, uh, the, 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 that which is not seen in our lives. And, uh, the importance of it, I guess we would say. <clears throat> At least it's not, uh, maybe we'd see evidence, but it's not that which is right out front. <clears throat> also as we look at this scripture we see Paul here he says uh, uh, he's showing us the posture of his heart you know as we look down over uh, many of the uh, the context here he talks about not having apprehended uh, he talks about uh, reaching forward he talks about pressing toward a mark uh, we're going to think about those things a bit. You know, Paul at this point, as uh, best as I can, you know, just having taken a quick look at the years and the dates associated to the writing of the book and Paul's conversion and all that. It, uh, I would come up with the fact that he was probably a Christian for about 23 to 26 years, somewhere in there. And uh, and yet, so think about it. Paul is a Christian, 20-some years. And he is, is showing us, as he shows us a posture of his heart, he is saying that there's something I am stretching for. I am reaching for it. I am aspiring toward it. And that's why I wanted my binoculars. I, I want to have them in binoculars. And, you know, you, you, you look out there in the distance and you find something of, uh, of importance and of value and you focus on it and you press toward it if you were a seaman uh, that would have been uh, back a couple hundred uh, years ago that would have been incredibly important uh, having those binoculars and seeing in the distance and seeing objects and seeing uh, uh, enemy ships uh, that might be approaching you or seeing land and all those kind of things having something in the focus Paul has something in the focus And he's aspiring toward it. Now, if that's the case, does does that indicate that he's reaching for something that is not attainable? Since he's already a Christian for twenty some years, and he's saying, "I'm aspiring toward something out there. I'm pressing toward it. I've got my focus on it." Does that mean he's because he's been a Christian for twenty almost between? 20-some years, does that mean that he has his focus on something that is not attainable? Think about it. You know, I don't think so. But he, like us, like we should, and I, I trust we do, I think he recognized that every day, every day of life, Brings new challenges, new opportunities, new things to respond to every day. And yesterday's aspiration, he had his eyes on that goal and he pressed toward it. Today he gets up and today is a new day. There's going to be new things in life and his aspirations are still there. It's out there, that goal. At the end of the day, I want to have accomplished it. I want to have attained it. I want to have succeeded in that aspiration. He had it in his scope. You know, we might attain it at 10.30. You know, something that comes our way at 10.30. 11 o'clock, something new might come. And it's a new opportunity. It's a new... It's another... uh, a moment for us to respond to life and its situations and its uh, challenges. And again, we need to respond. And there is a... Paul had, had some things. He had his eyes fixed on some aspirations in his life. In, uh, in how he... Uh, In his life's journey, in life's experience, he had some things he was he was aspiring toward, and we're going to spend some time focusing on that. We should do the same. There should be in our scope some things that we're aspiring toward as life unfolds before us. <clears throat> So I think we'll call the the, uh, title Pressing Toward the Mark. Uh, I also have here a lifelong aspiration, which it is. And I also have here the hidden root mass, which it is also. So, all right, first point. Uh, I'd like to talk just for a moment about the things that he was not pressing toward. And we find that in... uh, Verse 9, he says, And be found in him, in Christ, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. So, if Paul says here that he is not wanting to be found having his own righteousness, does that mean that Paul was not a righteous man? Does that mean that Paul disregarded being righteous, being living rightly? Did he disregard that completely because he did not want to be found having his own righteousness? Maybe kind of... I, they're not trick questions, but, but just make our minds think a little bit. Does that mean that Paul did not live a holy, godly, righteous life? No, it doesn't mean that. However, I'm not sure what I'm doing wrong with this thing, but it keeps... we simply, I guess we'll just simply do two circles here to illustrate this particular, uh, uh, we'll put Paul, P for Paul's right, PR for Paul's righteousness, and we'll put uh, CR for Christ's righteousness. <clears throat> in, in light of this, uh, comment that Paul makes, he doesn't, I, and to be, and be found in him, he's talking about winning Christ. He counts everything else dung that I may win Christ and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. And be, before I uh, move on and give uh, f- just a little bit more definition to this illustration. Uh, I have a comment here. It would fit better a little later, but I'm afraid I'll miss it if I don't say it. His whole, his, uh, I said, uh, th- does that mean that Paul did not live a holy, godly, righteous life? It doesn't mean that. But it does mean, and we'll talk about this more, his holy, righteous, godly life was the byproduct of something deeper in his life. There was something deeper that was settled in place that resulted. And I erased my tree. But anyhow, there was something deeper down in the foundation of his very being that was in place that resulted in the godly life. And we'll... uh, We'll uh, uh, try to flesh that out a little bit more here. So he did not want his—he uh, did not want to be found having his uh, being focused or trusting in his own righteousness, but in the righteousness which is through the faith of Christ. That's where he wanted his faith to be focused. The. Uh, He, he 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 did not want to in his heart and in his experience he did not want to uh, have his faith focused on this in any way, for any length of time, for any stretch of uh, of of existence. He wanted his faith focused over here, on Christ, on what Christ had done for him. And let's just look at that a little bit. Uh when we look at first uh, Corinthians 15 uh one to, f- 1 to 4 and you can turn there it's a, what I sometimes uh, we sometimes call the gospel in a nutshell uh, first Corinthians 15 <clears throat> verse 1 to 4 Reads as follows, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you that the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received and wherein ye stand. Again, notice that standing in that gospel. But by which also ye have, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, and here it is, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures, and that he was seen of Cephas and of the twelve, and after that he was seen of above five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain at the present, but some have fallen asleep. So there, uh, we have the gospel in a nutshell. Christ died for our sins, was buried, and rose again. Uh, that is where uh, Paul, uh, wanted his faith to be fixed and anchored. He wanted to be found in that spot where his faith was in Christ, in the, in the, in the, in the Christ who, who came uh, left the glories of heaven and humbled himself and lived among men and lived, uh, submitted himself to a, a body of flesh and lived and died, was buried and rose again for our sins, for our uh, forgiveness, for our opportunity to have a new life, a new beginning. And that's where Paul wanted his, his faith fixed continually. He did not want to be found trusting in what he was doing and the things that he was doing and the, and the right living he was living. He wanted his faith solidly fixed on Christ and what Christ had done. Whosoever believeth in him, in Christ need not perish, but have everlasting life. If Paul has his faith anchored there, why does he have why does he have a continu- continuous objectives that he is pressing toward? If his faith has found an anchor, if his faith is solid and sure, Uh, Why does he talk about these aspirations of pressing forward? And I probably answered that in part already. But uh, uh, good for us to think about it. He has something he's... What is the mark that he is pressing toward? And that's what we'd like to spend the rest of our time with here today. What is that mark that he is pressing toward? Verse... uh, 10 again, that I may know him, Philippians 3, verse 10, that I may know him, the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings, and being made conformable unto his death. Paul had that in his scope of life. And we'd like to talk about those things. First of all, that I may know him. The word know, uh, it means to learn to know. Uh, and the word frequently suggests a progression in knowledge, a progression in knowing. Uh, and I think many of us understand uh, that concept, uh, a progression in knowing. You know, I've been married for 30 some years. I'm still in a progression of knowing my wife and uh, I suspect she 's probably still in a progression of knowing me, and you all who are married know what that 's about. Um, those of you all of you have some friends on some level. you are in a progression of knowing getting to know your friends and and uh, you know I, I I remember some years ago we would we had opportunities to go with Christian Aid to do some cleanup when there was those big floods in the area and here in PA and northern PA and, and over into New Jersey. And so a team of us would go and we would work together. We would work in the slime pit of a basement that was, a you know, a, a six inches of mud. And, and uh, we got to know each other on a level we didn't know each other sitting here in these church pews. Uh, that was fun. <laughs> it was good. But a progression in In our understanding of each other. We get to know each other more. And that's what we have here with uh, uh, Paul. In wanting to know him. Uh, He had it in his scope. He had it in his sight. It was part of that continual development underneath. You know the root that was sustaining his life. It was that aspiration of knowing his savior personally. Kind of a, what I call a working knowledge. You know, just for example, we have uh, uh, Paul and Silas in the jail. Okay, they're in Philippi. So, they're on a missionary journey. They're preaching. They're, uh, uh, they're doing what God has called them to. And trouble strikes. They end up in the jail. They decide to sing. And the Lord does what he does. And it all becomes part of that knowing their Savior, right? They're, 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 uh, they're in His service. They never, probably never expected what happened, but it's part of the knowledge of knowing their Savior. And so, and, and, you know, there's probably a lot of, a lot of things that we could talk about in Paul's life, but I'm sure you have them in your life. You know, those little things, and for us it's, uh, we don't find ourselves in jail right now uh, for our faith. Uh, but I trust that you have seen those little things in life where the Lord has shown himself strong, where he has guided you, where you have prayed a prayer and he answered it, and you get to know him better because of that. Knowing him by experience. Knowing him as you uh, experience him daily in your life. I think that's what Paul was aspiring to, to know him. And that is a knowledge that is limitless, endless in uh, in the journey. We, there's no uh, reaching an end to that one. A working knowledge of our Lord in everyday living. As we think about knowing him, I think it's important, just like that... Uh, uh, scripture there in Corinthians said that. Uh, sure, if I can pull it together, but he, he 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 died for our sins is the way it's given there, I believe. And to know him, as we think about knowing him, i like I'd like to spend just a little bit of time thinking about. Uh, Knowing the peace that he provides. You know, uh, Colossians 1 verse 20 says, And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him I say, whether they be things on, in earth or things in heaven. Peace. Uh, Romans 5, one. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Thinking about the peace, knowing the peace. Ephesians 2, and I'm going to invite you to turn there. Just a few pages back if you're in Philippians. Ephesians 2, verse 13. And this is, this context is actually a little bit, it's focused a bit on actually the, the peace that has been introduced into the Jew uh, Gentile world and relationship, but I think it's worthy to read it anyhow. Uh, in this, in what we're thinking about here, but now in Christ Jesus, ye who were ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. And for He is our peace. Um, the blood of Christ, His shed blood, we are made nigh. We are brought into fellowship. And we are able to experience peace because of that shed blood of Jesus. Uh, he, for he is our peace who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall partition between us. That's talking about the Jew and Gentile walls, uh, I believe. And then down in verse... Uh, Verse 16, and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby and came and preached peace to you, which were afar off and to them that were nigh. For through him we both have access by one spirit unto the father. now, therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. And are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets; Jesus Christ Himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord. In whom ye also are built together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. Talking about the peace, knowing the peace that is uh, that Jesus Christ m- makes available to us. Uh, Colossians. I just—it's uh, a number of verses we can look at. Colossians 1:14, uh, in him in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Uh, verse 20, and having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself. Uh, verse. Uh, Verse 21, And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy, unblameable, and unreprovable in his sight. Uh, again, just just verses that speak about uh, being reconciled to God. Having that, you know, sin was what separated us from God. And... Jesus Christ shed His blood for our sins so that we could again be reconciled to God and we could have peace in our hearts. We could have peace that it's well with our souls. We can have peace that uh, we are accepted in the Beloved. That is God's will and heart in Christ that we would find that peace. Knowing the blessings of sins forgiven and the weight of sin rolled off our backs and having peace as in its place as a result. Of that forgiveness. And that sin being rolled off our backs. To know that peace. Uh, in, and. To have that peace. And, and what we've looked at so far. Is, is largely the. the um, how Christ provides it. And how. And in a sense. How many of us have found it. In that. Um, you know. Maybe when we were converted. Uh, when we first experienced it. But I also like to focus just a little bit. On living in that peace. Knowing that peace day by day. Uh, we've looked kind of at the foundation of. And, and the uh, uh, source of that peace. And then considering how we can maintain. And live in the, its reality. As life unfolds. Um, knowing that peace in everyday living. And you know. That is. If you've been a Christian for any length of time and you have known the peace of Christ when you were converted, when you first believed, you also, if, like I say, if you've been a Christian for any length of time, you also know that there's times when uh, something came up in your life where that peace was disturbed. <laughs> I could use that word. Something happened and you were struggling to maintain that peace for whatever reason. And uh, that's real life. That's, that's, uh, that's reality. And part of getting to know the Lord is to, is to learn how to maintain or how to keep our hearts in the place where peace can be our experience as life goes, as life, uh, as we respond and relate to life and everyday living. In Philippians, and you can turn there, uh, I'm in Colossians, just going back, Philippians 4, verse 7, no, verse 6, says this, be careful, and that word careful is anxious, uh, be careful for nothing, or don't be anxious about things, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So, God and and in this case, uh, Paul, through the inspiration of the Spirit, uh, breathed out some verses that relate to all of us. You know, life life uh, does bring interesting challenges. And there are moments of anxieties that could be a part of our experience and probably are at times. Uh, but Paul, by the inspiration of the Spirit, encourages us to not become anxious, to not become troubled, to not become uh, um, disturbed by those things, but to rather be able to uh, give them to God, as he says here uh, in everything prayer and supplication make them known to god give uh make god aware of them if he uh already wasn't uh but uh make god aware of them make god uh, help uh, tell god what's going on in our hearts and then he says that the peace of god that passes understanding will keep our hearts and minds and that's uh that's something to be aspired toward isn't it uh and it's it's helpful. Romans eight twenty eight is helpful in that context when it says, "And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are who are the called according to His purpose." You know, in life, it is helpful to know that there is no situation that is beyond our God, none at all. Uh, he is he is there, he is in it. We may not always understand it. We may not always uh, uh respond exactly how God would have desired us to, but we can be assured that God is always in the situation uh and if we mess it up, he is ready to pick up and start from there. that's God um, you know we we sometimes are ready to give up, but God is not one to give up. He, he, he picks up wherever we decide we're ready to let him pick up, and he'll take us from there. <clears throat> so ex- experiencing peace in the middle of life's turbulences, to be able to uh, to, to keep our hearts in a place of, of peace... Walking, living, and maintaining peace in our heart toward God and toward our fellow man. Peter, in Second Peter 3.11, uh, I think I'll turn there. He talks about... Um, well, I'll start in verse 11 at the context, or the verse that... Uh, We're looking at is verse 14. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved. What manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness. Looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God. Wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved. And the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless we according to his promise. Look for a new heaven and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. And because we look for that promise. We have an expectation. He says this in verse 14. Wherefore beloved. Seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of, may be found of Him in peace, without spot and blameless. And so that was Peter's exhortation: that as we live in this life in this world, uh, we have uh, we have our uh, focus set on uh, that there is uh, Jesus is coming again. There's going to be uh, the this old world's going to pass away. We're looking for a new heaven and a new earth. He is coming again because of that. Uh, Therefore, be diligent that you may be found of him in peace. So that's Peter's exhortation for us. So to know the peace of God, to know it in everyday living. And uh, I think we all know that uh, it's, it's... it probably ebbs and flows a bit at times, right? You know, it's not an even keel. You're just living in the peace of God and just steady and even. Life unfolds. Life brings situations. Uh, even I didn't even talk about this. But, you know, as Christians, there's times when we, uh, we miss the mark. We sin. Those things happen. But in walking with Jesus and being able in those moments to confess those sins to God. And if it affects someone else, to confess it to them. And to find, have that peace restored again. That is God's heart for us. For you. Uh, it's not God's heart that when something like that happens that you uh sink in despair. And... And... uh Wade and uh, wallow around in that despair and discouragement, and I've failed it, and I messed it up, and I did this and I did that for days and weeks. And God's heart is, if any man sin, we have an advocate with a Father. If we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us. If something happens, He is right there as we confess it and and own it and and bring it to Him to forgive us and to. As you, as we sometimes say, to pick us up and to brush us off and to get us going again. That's his heart in Jesus Christ. That to, to again have that peace restored in our hearts and to have that forgiveness, uh, have that forgiveness, experience the forgiveness and have the peace restored. Knowing that peace in everyday living. Uh, that's what we're talking about. And, alright. <clears throat> so Paul, and uh, that is one of the uh, that is one of the uh, uh, the below the ground things. You know, uh, a, a a person who who has in walking with Christ is experiencing that peace and has been able to maintain that in his experience in doing whatever he needs to do to maintain it. It's part of what. Uh, of the root system that makes for a strong, healthy uh, Christian walk. Knowing and experiencing and living in the reality of the peace that Jesus has brought to us. All right. Next point. Paul uh, says that he would desire uh, to know him and to know the power of his resurrection. The power of his resurrection, Uh, Romans 6 verse 4 says this, Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. The power of his resurrection Paul had a desire to experience that. Let's go to Romans 8, if you could, please. Romans 8. And we'll just break in verse 11 to verse uh, 14. The power of his resurrection. But if the verse, Romans 11... Romans 8 verse 11, But if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the spirit of God they are the sons of God for ye have not received the spirit of adoption uh, ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear but ye have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry abba father <clears throat> my father um, okay so just finding my place here the same spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead shall quicken your mortal bodies. Uh, verse 13, if ye through the spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. Uh, so we have here <clears throat> the power of Christ. Uh, basically, the scripture uh, joins. Connects. Yeah. Joins together the power that raised up the Lord Jesus Christ from the dead and the power that is to be in us as believers. Enabling us to live and to walk in a godly man- fashion in life. That is, uh, that is what we, what we find here. That power. The scripture just ties them together. The resurrection. It is, uh, it is that power that raised the Lord Jesus out of the grave. It's that same power that it, it wants to come into these earthen vessels that were once the servants of sin and once were in bondage to sin. And he now wants to put that spirit in us and empower us to live a completely different life than what we had before. And uh, Paul had a desire to know that power. Uh, in Everyday living, I guess we would say. It was something in his aspiration. You know, I think we all recognize that uh, as we walk life's journey, there are, uh, there are situations that come up in life that if we respond in our own strength, it won't look real good, will it? And maybe it happens more than we wish it would. But we recognize that. We recognize that in and of ourselves, we res- if we respond in only what we naturally are, life will bring us situations that aren't, it's not going to look real good, <laughs> those responses. But, that's where the Spirit of Christ dwelling in us comes in. He is there to enable us, and to strengthen us, and to help us, and to empower us, that when those difficult moments come, that spirit can work through us and it looks beautiful, right? Just think about the principle of turning the other cheek. It's not natural to us, is it? Somebody would smite you on the one cheek. Is it natural for you to just turn the other cheek? If someone says something ugly or untruthful about you, is it natural to just say something kind and loving? It's not really the natural thing to us. But when the Spirit of God is in us, that is the objective and the purpose of that Spirit in us. To enable us, to help us, to, uh, to empower us, to be able to do that, to turn that other cheek, to say that kind word in return for an evil word or whatever. That's the spirit of Christ and that's the power. And that's what Paul had it it in his scope to know that, to experience it. And that's like, remember how I said, you know, every day is a new day. Every moment is a new moment. Whether we succeeded in our objective yesterday or whether we didn't succeed, today is a new day. Today is a new opportunity. And we want to hold those aspirations before our hearts today and again tomorrow. That I may know Him and the power of His resurrection. That that power would be working in me today and again tomorrow and then again the next day. And those experiences that life puts in my lap. That that power would be there and would be enabling me And helping me. And that opportunity to sin that might come suddenly unfold before you. And in your flesh, you would be tempted to reach out and partake. But then there's that spirit. That spirit working in there. And it enables you, gives you the ability to turn away from it. That's what Paul was aspiring toward. That spirit resurrection power you think that's what uh, you think it was that power you know in Paul I forget the town it was where they stoned him and left him for dead and thought he was dead and he somehow got out under the pile and off he goes in next town what's he doing? Preaching the power of Christ within just empowered him <clears throat> So, to know the power of his resurrection. Paul had expresses that desire in Ephesians one, nineteen and 20. He says, and, and this is a, breaking into a prayer of his, and he says, And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. And notice again how those verses just bring that, those two concepts together. The power in us and the power that raised Christ. It just, it's, it's together. It's there. It's scripture after scripture it just brings those two together. And, uh, wow. It's, Lord, grant us this reality to know the power of his resurrection, to experience it in our lives daily. <clears throat> and to greater measures. Paul also says in Second Timothy, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. Kind of summing it up a little bit here, the power to love, the power to uh, overcome sin, the power to forgive, the power to live and respond as the Lord would Desire us to live and respond in life, in everyday living, that power inside of us. Do we always succeed in living in the reality of that power? Probably not. If we don't succeed, is the deficit on our side or on the side of the power? <laughs> I think we know the answer. The power is very much there. Generally, the deficit is on our side of things. And that's part of growing. You know, in uh, if we don't succeed at one point, the Lord is faithful to give us another opportunity. And uh, we can try again to respond in the grace and the an anointing of the power of the Spirit of God. Alright. To know the power of His resurrection. And then He goes on to know... Uh, let me go back to Philippians. Back to three, Philippians 3, verse 10. The next phrase He uses here is and the fellowship of his sufferings <clears throat> I like to also read a scripture in first Peter in light of this sufferings first Peter 4 verses 1 to 4 <clears throat> Peter exhorts us for as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh, in his body, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind or equip yourself with the same mind and thought for he that hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lusts of men, but to the will of God for the time passed. Of our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lasciviousness, lusts, excess of wine, revelings, banquetings, and abominable idolatries, wherein they think it strange that ye run not with them to the same excess of riot, speaking evil of you. Now, here in this context, uh, what Peter is describing here is where the believer who believing in Christ does not run to the same sins banquetings riots drinkings uh lusts and all those things that the uh unbeliever does and uh, the unbeliever doesn't understand that and mocks and ridicules and whatever whatever uh so it's it's uh Peter is calling us to, in, in the context, in, in, in ungodly environments, to live a godly life, even if they don't understand, even if they ridicule, even if they mock, even if they, uh, whatever, take advantage of you, to live a godly life in the middle of an ungodly environment. <clears throat> and then 2 Corinthians 4 Beginning in verse 11, actually beginning in verse 8, 8 to 11, this is Paul's testimony. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but not forsaken, cast down, but not destroyed, always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we, are, for we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Christ might be made manifest in our mortal bodies. And in, in, I'm going to keep my finger there, but in Colossians 1.24, Paul says this, Who now rejoice in my sufferings for you, and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, with, which is the church. Uh, Paul's testimony, and Paul had a testimony of suffering, and yet even in the middle of that testimony, uh, he seems to feel like his suffering wasn't really, when you weigh the scales, his suffering was on the low end, (laughs) is what he's saying there in Colossians, that he's uh, filling up that which is behind, he's behind (laughs) What a testimony for a man who suffered lots, spent time in prisons, was beaten, was stoned, left for dead, you know. Uh, But in light of the the kingdom, in light of what Christ had done for us, Paul considered it uh, his own suffering still lacking. You know, and today there are many places in the world where Christians are suffering. Uh, Christians are being beaten. Christians are spending time in jail and in miserable conditions in those jails. Christians are separated from their loved ones. Christians are being killed for their faith. We we have lived in a, a a um in this country as far as outright uh persecution as far as outright uh, resistance of the christian faith we have probably experienced this country has probably experienced an, an unusual period of time where the christian faith has been on some parts appreciated, on some parts tolerated, but not been, you know, outright, outright resisted with, uh, with persecutions and sufferings and deaths and all those kind of things. <clears throat> Let's not lose sight of the fact that suffering is part of the Christian's life. You know, it's easy to feel like we deserve this. This is what the Christian life should be like. But this is actually rare in our world. Let's not lose sight that uh, suffering is part of the Christian experience. Let's rather prepare our hearts for suffering. Be willing to Step up to the line where suffering may come and embrace suffering as we confess the Lord Jesus. You know, there's small ways that people have and do, even in this country and in this environment, suffer. Uh, it does happen, but we have to, we have to admit it is so minimal that it's, uh, yeah, we, we, we I look at how some suffer and I I say, Lord, uh, why must they suffer? And we live so well. Um, God knows. God understands. So don't lose sight of the fact that suffering is a Christian is to expect that. And it may well become a part of our experience somewhere down the road in a much greater way than it has to this point. To have fellowship in sufferings with our Lord. And then Paul has one more uh, comment that he makes, and that is that of being conformable unto his death. The word conformable gives the idea of uh, being jointly formed, being formed together with, uh, so, Paul says this in Galatians 2, verse 20, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. You know, it's, it's an interesting, uh, this, this verse, Galatians twenty two, verse 20, gives, explains it well. The, the way you grapple at times with words to, uh, to explain a a reality. Paul says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I'm living. <laughs> but the life that I'm living, is not my own. It's, it's, a, it's a life that I'm now living by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So, when he says, I am crucified with Christ, what, what is he saying? What, what is crucified? What, what, what died? I am crucified with Christ. Let me turn to Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, and just Read down through verse 8. Paul says this in, in Philippians 2, 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. I think I'll stop there. Um. As we think about Paul says, "I am crucified with Christ. What died in Paul?" And yet he says, "I'm living, but I'm not living according to the flesh I'm living by the my life by the faith of the Son of God. You know think about it uh, as we look at this, and I think Earl hit on this last week, uh, Jesus, as this scripture says. Uh, he was, uh, he was in the form of God. He was God. He was great. He was the greatest, but he surrendered. He gave it all up. He was the king, but he became a servant. Jesus did. He was the creator, but he became the created. He was the eternal. But he submitted himself. To the limitations of time. And he allowed. He, he, he uh, as it says. In these scriptures that. Uh, being found in fashion as a man. He humbled himself. And became obedient unto death. Even the death of the cross. Uh, so Paul's. Uh, burden was that he might be made conformable unto his death. In other words uh, um, when we think about what when we think about uh, being made conformable unto his death and we said that word is jointly formed so we become a partaker in his death and, and uh, in doing that uh, we are in a sense we are. My, uh, my mother we're pressed into the same mold you might say with him uh, my mother used to have this little box with an imprint in the bottom then she pressed butter into it you'd flip it over and you'd take it out and the impression that was on the wood was now on the butter and that's the picture that we get of Paul here. He is pressed into the same, uh, being made conformable unto his death. He wants to allow his life to be pressed into that mold with Christ's death. And that death speaks of, of, uh, dying to himself. And for us, it speaks of dying to ourselves. And Jesus is our example. You know, it's an example of surrendering, an example of yielding, an example of humbling himself, an example of bowing under the things that God allows in our lives, of submitting to, like Jesus, he became obedient to death, even the death of the cross, of obeying even in difficult uh, situations. Uh, So, and the and the wisdom to be able to understand in our own lives and experiences where um, I is on the throne and where I actually needs to die. You know, where my wishes, my desires are on the throne and in reality they need to die. Where my aspirations and... Uh, Paul had a desire to be, uh, to be, uh, made conformable unto his death. To also die in his, his own self-aspiration so that the living Christ could live his life out in him. To be made conformable unto his death. What a challenge. To allow our own hearts, that kind of aspiration, to aspire to dying to ourselves, to our own personal interests and, and agendas and, and uh, um, whatever, whatever, and allowing those to die and allow Christ to live in us, being made conformable unto his death. <clears throat> In conclusion, I'd like to uh, just reflect on those two verses in Philippians again, 3 verse 10 and verse 14, that I may know him, the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death. I press, verse 14, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. You know Paul, these things that we talked about they are without a doubt they are the uh, they're the the root that uh, the hidden root that sustained a life that was lived to the glory of God you know these his objective he in his scope he had these four points and And one feels limited even in how to be able to explain them well. But he had these four points in his scope and he kept pressing toward those things. You know, that objective, I would like to encourage us in some measure and in some way to, uh, allow our hearts to aspire to this kind of an objective. However, that might look for us. And this is an objective that is personal to each one of us. Each one of us can press into that. However much or however little we wish to. We can give it all we got. We can aspire to it like Paul did. No one can stop us. No one can hinder us. No one can delay us. It's up to us. It's up to me personally. How much I aspire. To uh, develop that kind of a root system. In my own life. Of, uh, of Christ. And knowing him. Knowing him. By daily experience. As, he, as I trust in him. And he walks faithfully with me. And And through that uh, journey, I get to know him more and more in all these various aspects. It's our journey. It's our race. It's our opportunity. And I want to encourage each one of us to press into it. Press into it to know him, the power of his resurrection, to have fellowship with him in suffering, and to be made conformable unto his death let's just bow our heads father again bless us bless us father with hearts that hunger and desire and long to grow in your likeness and your image I pray that for each one of us here. For myself. And for all my brothers and sisters. And for all who might hear. This message Lord. Thank you. For making all these things possible to us. Thank you that we do have. Something to aspire toward. Thank you. Thank you for Paul in writing these things to uh, encourage our hearts. Thank you, Lord. I pray again, bless each one of us, we ask in the name of Jesus. Amen.